And we're back. We are back. Although I will say, I'm back. You're back. I'm back. Yay. I'm back to Australia. I'm back to work. You don't know how happy I am that finally everything is coming back. <laughs> it's so funny to say that. It's like, I'm so happy to be back at work. Well, I enjoy my job. That mm. is one of the things. And, and there are many exciting things happening at the moment. And I don't want to miss them. Exactly. And particularly, I didn't want to miss more episodes of The Scientist with more you. More Scientists. We're back. Or bark as we just imparted on you. We're so funny, aren't we, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Angel Lopez Sanchez. And I'm Kirsten Banks. And, and we, we are, are The Scientists. And we well and truly are back. Welcome back, Angel. It's so good to have you back in the country. Thank you very much. Although I have been in the country for the last month or so, well, I was still recovering for this crazy illness that I have had. Oh, I can't believe, I really can't believe that I have been doing nothing for three months. I don't know how you did it. Uh, I mean, it was against your will, but I well, don't know how you did it. <laughs> I spent almost half of that time laying on bed doing nothing because that is what this Ignel de Guillain-Barré syndrome is about. Did it feel like a good rest, though? Mm, well, I don't know exactly what to say. It gave me a lot of time to think yep. about life, about work, about how much I enjoy all these things that I usually do in and all the good things that I also get doing outreach and science communication, which is what I really love, and I love it more and more every day. Don't worry, I picked up where you left off, and uh, we've been going great, but it's so good to have you back to like, join the team again. Yeah, I was so jealous when I was checking all the great things that you and other people have been doing, particularly during National Science Week, and mm. I was I want to I was going to do six events or. I don't remember how many other things that I have already said. <laughs> I was going to try to help and going to schools with my kid and so on. And well, you know, life happens. Yep. But luckily, there'll be plenty more National Science Weeks to have. Yes, I hope that. <laughs> so I will be preparing myself for the next one in 2019 and I will be there, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and a plan started already? Yeah, yeah, planning I'm, a next big thing? I'm planning big things, but I'm still taking it very, very easy because I'm still in some way recovering. Yes. Doctors are very surprised that I'm back to work only three months after this happened mm. because usually it is half a year, if not more. Yes. like We were very surprised to find out that you were coming back in October when the first time I heard about it, people were saying, oh, you won't be back until next year. So it's very, very happy to have you back. I really wanted to be back and not only working on my things, but particularly recording more Skyantist episode with you. That was one of the key motivations for me coming back. Because we have to get to our hundreds, thousands, millions, millions. of viewers. Exactly. <laughs> and we have to get that eventually. Eventually, yes, indeed. But since you've been away, yes. you need to catch up. Oh, yeah. Ooh, plenty of things you don't know. I have not been checking social media. I have not been reading news. Um, I have been just listening to radio and music, classical music, my um, watching movies. Uh, so now I'm 
good with all the Avenger saga and Marvel saga. That <laughs> so finally... you're all caught up on popular culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting and getting back to the popular culture. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but you've missed a few things in the space world, and oh my goodness, I think all of the astronomers have gone crazy. Ah, uh, well, please. I so... think I need you to tell me some few other things. So we have officially doubled the size of the solar system. Haven't we? Yep. Well, how was how, how did that happen? How we found a mysterious planet nine or ten or whatever that was that was disturbing the, the comets and some objects in the outer solar system? We are one step closer to finding planet X, planet nine, hidden planet Nibiru, whatever you want to call it, because we've found a dwarf planet on the outskirts of the solar system. So it helps us find the hunt for planet X. But let me give you a few things, a few tips about this. One, one sec. So yes. now we have six dwarf planets in our solar system? I think so. So we Maybe. have five, at yep. least. That is what I have been teaching my son. Eris, Ceres, Makimaki, Homia, Vesta? B no, 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 Vesta is no, 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 an asteroid. No, no. Uh, Pluto. Oh, Pluto. Duh. <laughs> How could I forget Pluto? <laughs> Let's say those in order will be Ceres, Pluto, Eris, Makemake, Haumea. Yes. And now it is officially called 2015 TG387. What? But... but Please give me, give me a standard name. It has been nicknamed the Goblin. The Goblin? The Goblin. Who had the idea of that name? Some crazy scientists. No, because they discovered the planet in 2015 on Halloween. So, of course, ah, they called it the Goblin. The Goblin, okay. Is that approved by the International Astronomical Union? Yeah, no. I saw that. <laughs> so, it's officially known as 2015 TG387 by the International Astronomical Union's Minor Planet Center. Okay. But it is dubbed the goblin the Gob and you can imagine all of the media snatched that up alan duffy was on the project talking about it it was great it is now officially known by the public as the goblin okay then probably we will have to wait for some months or some time to get the final decision from the international astronomical union which is the only organization in in the world that can actually give real names as exactly we were discussing in an episode yes so a few little uh, tips about this goblin planet. It's a frozen dwarf planet about 300 kilometers across. Okay. So it's tiny, really, um, dubbed the goblin. And at its most distant, the goblin is 2,300 times further from the sun than the Earth is. Ooh. So it's pretty far, but it has a very, very uh, highly elliptical, elliptical orbit. orbit. Uh, yes. It should be expected from objects that are located in this distant part of the of the solar system. Yes, indeed. So that's that's thing one. There's plenty more to go there. Okay, so that is thing one. Uh, please tell me more. Thing number two. Astronomers have discovered the first suspected exomoon. Oh, well, this has been there in the air for some time, perhaps a couple of years at least that I remembered. And, mm. and we have been talking, I have been talking a bit about that in other media. But it were just suggestions that Perhaps we will be able to find something like that. So it's now confirmed. So we have detected the first exomoon. It is. Oh, I'm a little skeptical to say that we have confirmed. Mm -hmm. It definitely shows evidence that it could be certainly a moon. But it's a little weird because when you think of a moon, you think of either a rocky or an icy object orbiting around a planet, right? Yes. This is as large as Neptune. 
and is made out of gas. And that is the moon. That's the moon. And what is the planet? The planet is like a hot Jupiter sort of thing, like very, very, very big hot Jupiter. It's about 8,000 light years away. So just a hop, skip and a jump across the galaxy. That is quite far. And that is perhaps one of the problems for this system because in order that you can get precise data of what is happening there, well, ideally the system should be much closer. You said 8,000. 8,000. 8,000 light years away. That is a lot. It is. Well, let me tell you how they discovered it. So they were using a light curve. Mm -hmm. So for those who don't know, when you're looking for exoplanets, you often, if the planetary system is aligned in the right way where the planets move in front of the star from our perspective, we can see a dip in brightness from the star. So that's what we call a light curve. That is what the very famous Kepler satellites have been doing. Exactly. And the majority of the exoplanets that we now know that are coming precisely from data from the Kepler satellite from NASA have been using the transit method. Exactly. And it was, in fact, first seen by Kepler. So they used Hubble just to have another look. And they saw a second, much smaller dip in the star's brightness Three and a half hours after the planet's transit, hinting at a moon trailing a planet-like thing. But then, on another transit, the planet appeared 1.25 hours earlier than predicted. Uh-huh. So this is a consistent with the planet and moon orbiting a common center of gravity, causing the planet to wobble from its predicted location. Okay, that is interesting. So mm. I, I guess that they are now continue observing this object just to get more data as as we were talking before, we need this kind of more data in order that we can really confirm what is happening here and if everything is fitting into the model that astrophysicists have had to prepare to explain the system. Exactly. And it's funny you mentioned that too because I've started teaching. Mm -hmm. I'm now officially a teacher, which is exciting. congrats. Thank you. And I'm teaching um, Year 9 Chemistry. Okay. And year 10 chemistry as well. But what we one of the big things that they're talking about is the standard model of the atom and how the model changed when new observations were, condu- were carried out and we found new things that didn't quite agree with the model. So maybe this, if this doesn't agree with the model, maybe we're finding something completely new and we have to change the model over again. Okay, well, that is or how... add to the model. But that is how science works. Exactly. That is what, why we are continually revisiting the data and getting more observations to try to get a better understanding of the physics. And when things are really starting to be interesting, it is when they are not, the data are not following our models. Mm. So good, good, good. That, that is a good thing. Yeah. And finally, the most craziest thing that I've ever heard of, can moons have moons? Uh, well, considering that you are saying that it's a kind of a Neptune-like planet, sorry, moon, mm-hmm. why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? I mean, if it's far away enough from the planet it's orbiting, I mean, sure, why not? And that's exactly what Colomaya and Raymond have been studying. So these are two scientists that have drafted up a version of a, a paper, it's literally labeled Can Moons Have Moons, and they call them sub-moons. Sub-moons. I think we should call them moon-moons. Moon-moons. Moon-moons, yeah. Moon-moons. I like that term. Yeah. Moon-moons. Moon-moons. <laughs> <laughs> so at the moment, haven't found any, but mathematically possible. Yeah, I think it is possible. But again, um, I will say that this system, although very tempting, it is a bit too far away 
to get all the detailed observations that we should need to, mm. to get something like that. But definitely possible. Yes. Why yeah. not? Why not? Exactly. Mm. Why not have moon moons? Moon moons. <laughs> moon moons are fun. Yeah. So that's basically all the big things that I have to catch you up. Although there's also the space station debacle. What? The, the Soyuz space shuttle uh -huh. failed. What? Yeah. On its way up to take two astronauts, an American and a uh, cosmonaut, up to the space station, it failed and had to uh, do an emergency landing. Oh, when was so that? That was only like last week or okay. two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Very recent. Very, very recent. And so they have no way to get people to and from the space station currently for the next few months. Ooh, well, yes. that is mm, a, a little bit, scary. A bit scary. Yes, yes. definitely it is. So that's space news. <laughs> space news. Um, with that, I think we have started a new kind of section for the podcast. Yes. Okay. Well done, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, we have not said anything about feedback. Should we? We should. Yes. Hold on. Let me uh, consult my feedback reel. Okay. Feedback from Fernando. He went looking for us at Sydney Observatory and unfortunately found no form of scientists. Well, that is not good. Not good. Thank you for coming along, Fernando. I hope you enjoyed your time at Sydney Observatory, but unfortunately, neither of us happened to be there that night. One night, we were neither there. <laughs> Particularly me. Particularly you, <laughs> yes. It would have been difficult for me. Anyway, yeah, we have I seen here some few people very happy that I'm back and that we were going to record this soon. So thank you very much for that support. And with that encouragement, it is very much appreciated. Don't forget, if you still have feedback, always, always, always message us on Twitter, tweet us, Facebook us, send us an email. You can find us at The Scientists because we are The Scientists. <laughs> and send us questions. Remember, you can always send in an audio recording of your question and we can answer it in the podcast. We still haven't done that because we have not received any. And but you could be the first. You can be the first, exactly. I was going to say that. <laughs> so you can be the first to be in this kind of section, talking and asking about anything astronomy or, or space related. Exactly. Okay, yeah, I think that we have had some few more feedback in old times. I mean, July, June, whenever, when we received. So perhaps we will try to do a bit of more our assignments to check those for the next episode. Mm. But so far... Yeah, we are going good. Thank you very much for all the support, as I was saying before. So we can move into the... What's up? What's up? What's up? For that, we were suggesting some few things. Um, Christine was suggesting some planets. I was saying that perhaps planets, they have already gone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm still holding on. I love my planets. I know, I know. And I completely agree. As we discussed before I left and at the end of last season, we were considering doing a big one, a big episode about Mars. Yes, we did because the opposition of Mars and was it was in August. so good. Yeah. Oh, but, but alas. Yeah, but we will leave that for a future episode, probably very soon. So I have been checking uh, quickly what is up at the moment, particularly on the southern hemisphere. Then I realized that the sculpture constellation, it is very high in the sky at the beginning of the night in, in this time of, of the year, in late October, early November. So I couldn't think in a better target for WhatsApp than the Sculptor Galaxy. Ooh. Because it is an object that I like a lot. First, because you can actually see it very easily with an amateur telescope. Oh, really? 
Really? Yeah, oh, you I can. Better, well, I better give it a try it, with the big telescope at Sydney Observatory sometime. It, it has an apparent magnitude of eight. So oh, it's a strictly, easy. strictly talking, you can actually see it. That's a fuzzy thing with binoculars. Wow. If you are in a dark place. Ooh. So that is a galaxy located around 37 million light years away that might seem a lot, but it is actually here in the neighborhood. Just across the road. Yeah, it is one of the main galaxies in the nearest uh, group of galaxies to the Milky Way, the Skulltop Group, and that is also <laughs> the name. Finally, it's called that. But I will say also that uh, the name is NGC 253 or the silver coin or silver dollar galaxy because of its appearance. Because we see it looks that like a, a dollar bit, sign. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is a, a bit of edge on galaxy. This is a kind of a spiral galaxy, intermediate spiral galaxy. But what I like more it is that it is a kind of my galaxy. Ah, because it's one it, of those exciting galaxies, exciting, is it? Exciting. A Star Wars galaxy, Ooh. because it is experiencing a very intense burst of a star formation at the moment. Does it taste good? Uh, well, I have not had the chance to try. <laughs> but for sure, for sure, you have to, you have to. I'll just let you know, uh, Starburst are some very lovely lollies you can buy ah, at the ha, shops. Ha, ha, now I'm getting <laughs> the jokes. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, well, next time, you know, you have to bring me I one. I have to bring some Starbursts uh, next time. I have time. to bring them. Uh, and I will add that for my candies with the Mars and the and Milky, Milky Way, Way for yep. Halloween. <laughs> that is also happening soon. The other thing I like about that galaxy, because it's forming many, many stars, the famous World Project stars Ooh, yes. have been also detected very easily in this galaxy. Ah. And it has also plenty of diffuse gas that when we observe with radio telescope, with, for example, with the Australian Telescope Compact Array, you see that very, very well in, de in detail. And it, it's not only located in the center, in the galaxy, in the main part, in the main body of the galaxy, what we see, but it is also distributed very far away from it. Ah. So, yeah, it is a very interesting object that, again... As an amateur astronomer, you can enjoy it because you can see it through a telescope and you can really see this nice galaxy. But also uh, for astrophysicists, it's still a challenge to try to understand all the properties and how stars are formed in this galaxy and how the gas is reprocessed mm. and forming new stars and so on. Cool. And it looks very pretty. Yeah, it's, it is. It is very pretty. Oh, well, we've done space news. We've done WhatsApp. I think it's time for the uh, main event. And since in the in the uh, celebration of us starting a new season, we're going to talk about seasons. Seasons. Yeah, that is one of my favorite topics. Yuppie! <laughs> um, I say that it is one of my favorite topics because every three months I have to be saying this in Twitter and in social media, trying to, well, redefine what a season is. I had someone... Attack, oh, okay, not, not quite attack, but come at me on Twitter trying to tell me that the astronomical definition of a season is arbitrary. I'm like, what? But, but, that is but no. the only one which is completely well-defined. It is the astronomy definition of season. Exactly. The months are arbitrary. <laughs> the months are completely arbitrary. And the other definition that we have for seasons including meteorological seasons, mm -hmm. uh, just in some way made up. Exactly. There are so many other seasons from even different cultures as well. But first, I think we should actually define when we change our seasons, if we're astronomers. We're considering us as astronomers. When do we actually consider a season has changed? 
We define just the seasons in astronomy following the movement of the planets around the sun. And the other thing that it is important it is the tilt of the axis of the planet of the Earth in this in this case. So there is a moment in we see the sun moving around the sky apparently because actually the Earth is moving around the sun, of course. <laughs> and sometimes it is going up and sometimes it's going down. And there is a moment in which the sun reaches its maximum elevation in the northern hemisphere that will be the summer solstice. Yes. In here, in the southern hemisphere, it will be the winter solstice. <laughs> or Let's just call it the June solstice. The June solstice <laughs> and the December solstice. And in that moment, it is one of the points in which we, by definition of astronomy, say, well, there is a new season starting. And then the other definition, it is just in the equinoxes. The equinoxes, it is the point in which the position of the sun in the sky is just exactly in the equator. Yeah, directly the, over the head of the equator. Uh, equator. 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 I swear I can speak, I promise. Well, you speak much better than I do sometimes <laughs> with my interesting pronunciation. <laughs> Did I tell you that I have to relearn how to talk <laughs> anyway i will say that in another in another moment anyway so in the equinoxes it is when fall or spring is starting mm. so it is a combination of the movement of the earth around the sun at the tilt of the axis of the of the earth the way we define seasons and that is not happening at the beginning of a month it is actually happening around the 21st 22nd of december 23rd 24th of, of june let me get it. It is the 22nd of December this um, year. You are taking 22nd of December, yeah, yeah for, 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 Austra December, for Australia. For the December solstice. For the, in Australia, but it is because we also have to check the time. Oh, good point. Yes, because it's the point when the sun, like the universal of time, is at its highest or lowest. Yes. It would be at its lowest elevation. So it is exactly in, in, in a minute. So it is defined by a minute. Mm. Or perhaps even a second. I don't know. It is exactly the point that the An sun reaches. Instantaneous point in time. Perhaps here it is the 22nd in Australia, mm. but in Europe or in the US. Could be the 21st or the 23rd. Exactly. Can be the 21st. Usually it will be the 21st. Probably. Yes. It I know how time works. It will be the 21st. <laughs> so it is also depending on that. That is why I was saying 21st, 22nd, usually around that. Yeah. A spring here. Astronomically talking, in Australia, it is always starting the 22nd, 23rd of September. Yes. So last September, of course, I couldn't help myself. And I was finally starting to do a bit, some few things in social media. And I started a poll just to see how Australians and non-Australians were considering in which season. And of course, I voted for the correct response. Or one of the two correct responses being from Australia and saying, it's defined by astronomy, people. Yeah, but people were asking me, why are you doing this or this kind of weird poll? Because I had two and two separations. So I have the, according to you, in which season are we now? I asked that on the 1st of September. Mm -hmm. Please distinguish if you are Australian, New Zealander or not. Right. Okay. The first option was Australian, New Zealand, spring. The second, Australian, New Zealand, winter. Then non-Australian, New Zealand, spring, fall. Non-Australian, New Zealand, summer, winter. Right. And this was, you put this out the on first, the solstice? No, that was on the first week of September. Oh, so before the solstice. Oh, before sorry, equinox, the equinox. Rather. Before yeah. the equinox. And I was very surprised 
that the 75%, three quarters, of the answers that I got from Australian New Zealand was the wrong one. Of course it was, because in Australia, the Bureau of Meteorology defines the seasons in our country as being defined by the calendar exactly. and the months. Yeah, and that was... I had not said that, but that was something that it shocked me when I arrived to Australia and I was starting to give talks and public talks and going to schools and also watching the TV and the news and so on. That oh, spring, we're spring, we're still spring, still three weeks to go to spring. Yeah, exactly. And and it was so frustrating to me that I even wrote a post about that and I have been saying, not com complaining, perhaps I have been complaining, sorry about that, <laughs> but for me, season, it is just given by astronomy not given by the calendar or given by meteorology. Mm, because so, then it, w it would change anyway, uh, being by the calendar. I mean, uh, it would be the same day, but not the same position of, of the, the Earth of around the, Earth. the sun. Mm -hmm, exactly that. Which is like, the most constant thing. I found that only Australia and New Zealand, as far as I know, these are the two only countries in the world that they are defining by law seasons starting on the first of the month, following right. the meteor meteorological seasons. By law? Wow, that seems it is, a bit... It is kind of by law, and I'm doing the kind of quote, because that is what it is explained in the Bureau of Meteorology web pages. Right, because I was about to say, like, am I going to be fined for, for saying that it's... I mean, we all think it's spring now, but, you know... I don't know, but <laughs> sometimes I give the example. I don't remember which state, but there is a state in the U.S., that by law, Pluto is still a planet. Wow. <laughs> so, well, you can, <laughs> Spicy. you can say whatever you want to, but science doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> so funny. Okay. That is exactly the same. And I try to explain that and trying to be taking care of the way I say that. Although sometimes I have found some people, even astronomers from Australia saying, eh, but blah, 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 blah. It is a definition we have had. Mm. Okay, well... I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Give us your feedback. Yeah, hint, please, hint. Feedback, feedback. But the thing is, in Australia, if you ignore the Bureau of Meteorology and you look at Indigenous seasons and Aboriginal seasons, there are heaps of them. Um, for the uh, Muruwong calendar, so in European seasons, you have December, January, February is summer, March, April, May, autumn or fall. This is in the Southern Hemisphere, of course. June, July, and August is winter, and September, October, November is spring. But to the Murawan calendar, there are only three seasons. Only three. Only three. The wet weather time, which is from December until March. The cold weather time, April until August. And the hot weather time, from September until November. So only three. Whereas for the uh, Noongar calendar, they have one, two, three, four, five, six. Six, six. Six, hot and dry, so dry and hot, uh, from December until January. February and March is the hottest. That's all it says, just hottest. April and May, cool begins. June, July, coldest and wettest. August, September is wet days and cool nights. And September, October, November is long, dry periods. So, of course, in a country as big as Australia, different areas will have different seasons because... It changes whether you're near the coast, like we are here in Sydney, or if you're in the desert near Alice Springs. 
Yeah, that would be completely different. Mm. I have to thank Marcus Strong because he was one of the people that came back to me uh, when I started this poll saying, hey, consider that there are different cultures are taking into account different kind of seasons. For mm. example, Aboriginal people, as you very well described. I have checked and they are not only Aboriginal. For example, Hindu also define six seasons. Bengali also define different seasons. Tamil and non-Gar seasons. Other cultures have been defining different kind of divisions of the year in season. Mm. And that made me think about real the definition of season and how that word is very different in English than in Spanish. And perhaps that is one of the reasons why I have been having these troubles trying to convince people about what a season, astronomy season is. Yeah. I have been checking and, sorry, in English you only have that word that is season to describe both the division of the year Mm-hmm. In different parts, usually the four seasons. But season, also like the season a, two of scientists. Exactly, a period of time that can be defined in very different ways. Mm. Estación, which is the four estaciones, the four seasons. Right. Uh, that is a word in Spanish, very different from temporada. Which is which the is period of time. The period of time that, for example, we are starting temporada dos, temporada two. Ah. Season two of the scientist. I th- that sounds better. I like that. So that is why I think it's starting to mix up even the definition of seasons from different cultures. Sometimes they seem a bit more like this kind of defining the different periods of times than the actual astronomical season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps I'm completely biased because the definition of Season for me is coming from astronomy. Astronomy is important. So uh, that is why I'm doing that. But again, what do you think? Let us know. What, are, what do you find as a seasons? Uh, what do you think of the start of season two of The Scientists? And of course, always just send us your questions. Yeah. And I would like to add something else about seasons, which is that Earth is not the only planet having seasons. Of course. So all the planets, oh, well, not all, but the majority of them have seasons. Yes. I'm saying that not all of them because Mercury is weird. Mercury is very weird. Really weird. It's because, a weird planet. Uh, two years there are three days. <laughs> so it's weird. <laughs> and then we have also, not, not a planet now, a dwarf planet, but Pluto. Pluto is difficult because it has a very elliptical orbit mm. and also it has a tilt. I don't remember the number, but it has uh, the tilt of the rotation axis. It is um, significant. It's significant. Yep. So it seems that there is a combination of being near the sun, that is the elliptical way of getting different kind of seasons, and the tilt of the axis of rotation of Pluto. So it is also a bit weird. And With that, I'm going to do a little break, reminding that when we are talking about summer, it doesn't mean that we are closer to the sun. No, no, it does not. I mean, technically for For the the southern southern hemisphere hemisphere summer, we are marginally closer. Yeah, because it is the moment in which the Earth is closest to the sun. So it's the aphelion? That is the perihelium. I always get them wrong, mixed up. Perihelion. Perihelium. That happens around the 3rd or the 4th of January, ah, around that, while the summer, winter solstice is happening, the December solstice, it is coming on 21st, 22nd We're of still December. 
getting so still closer. A bit, a bit there. But it is not because of that. The position of the Earth around the Sun doesn't have anything to do with the real seasons. Yes. It is just the tilt of the rotation of the Earth. Other thing that you should uh, catch up on is um, politician Pauline Hansen has claimed that climate change is due to the forces of the sun and the moon and the earth. What? Yep. So I'm glad you mentioned that, that the, sun, the earth is not closer to the sun during summer. Just, yeah, just I, listen to okay. us. I, I, don't, I don't want to get back into that. So let me just finish with the, the, what is happening in other planets. Because for Venus, it is also weird. Well, first of all, it's upside down. And mm. then, with, because it is covered with these very thick clouds, you have this... Atmosphere, mm-hmm. carbon dioxide, greenhouse gases. Greenhouse effect. Greenhouse Thank effect, you. that's it. Greenhouse <laughs> effect. Uh, so, well, it is not that easy in some ways. If you want to define meteorological the, the, the climate. I think but, if I were to have a say in what the uh, Venus's climate and uh, seasons are, it would have one season and it's damn hot. Is yes, it's hell. Yeah, it's hell. <laughs> one season called hell. <laughs> hell in Venus. For Mars, it still has also seasons, but they are a bit longer than in the Earth. So mm. I think around seven months. Jupiter also has seasons, not that much because the deal is not very important. But mm. well, we still can define them, as we know that it needs around twelve years to go around the sun. So each season in Jupiter will last for three years or so. In Saturn, about seven years. Uranus, well, that is another difficult one. That, yeah, so, I mean, isn't it that a day is longer than a year on Uranus? It, not really. Not what quite. happened it is that the rotation axis it is pointing almost directly to the sun. Yes. <laughs> so it is a 90 few degrees yep. of rotation it axis. Is, it is just, so it's, it's for like... half a year, the sun is illuminating an hemisphere, and mm. for the other half a year, it is illuminating the other hemisphere. Could you imagine if the Earth was like that? Mm. People struggle enough being near the poles, and like, is it Stockholm syndrome or something, where you don't see the sun for weeks at not, a time? Yeah, that would be this, difficult. <laughs> imagine not seeing the sun for an entire I, year. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't, I don't see in a planet with that characteristics as Uranus has. To be able to support life. Definitely not. Also, th- there's a thing of that you can't stand on Uranus, so well, that that's, is, that's one minor that, problem too. <laughs> that is the other problem. And for Neptune also, we even have seen variations of what is happening in the atmosphere on Neptune when we compare uh, when the Voyager 2 arrived there in 1989. Ooh, ooh, a long time ago for you, but yes, I remember that I very well. <laughs> and later when we'd have had the Hubble to have a look into a detail and... Hubble was not able to find any of the spots, the dark spots that mm. were very easily seen with the Voyager 2 spacecraft. Mm. So, again, we are saying here that it is a definition that coming for a particular planet. And we have talked about the Earth and the other planets of the solar system. Of course, the exoplanets, we also have seasons. Yes, and maybe even the exomoons will have seasons too. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. we should define them in a different way, perhaps in exomoons. But the point here, it is that at the end of the day, and that it is my claim, <laughs> seasons are defined by astronomy. Yes. Yes, indeed. And I guess, speaking of seasons... That should wrap us up for episode one of season two. 
Juhu! We made it! We did it! We're back! We are back, <laughs> really. I know I said that at the beginning, but I'm so, so, so excited to be back. And there are so many other things that I have to be taking care of about, about, well, whatever, application deadline, grants, and other things. Observations, of course, my poor students that they still are saying... Where is he? <laughs> where, <laughs> where is where, he? Where's, come back. Come back. Help us. <laughs> <laughs> but I will get to that eventually. What I really wanted to do as one of the, my very first things coming back to work at the office was to be with you, Christine, and record in the first episode of season two of The Scientist. And I can confirm that the first message you sent me on Twitter when you were back in the country was... When you were available to record a new episode for the scientists, which is fantastic. And that was my very first tweet in some few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You guys should feel so special that Angel is just so dedicated to the scientists and that we're we're back and we're here to science this. Great. So please, we will be waiting for your feedback about uh, what you think about uh, what seasons are. Uh, and also, if you want to ask us any other thing, um, please, you are very welcome to do that and record your own question and we can try to to add, add uh, that here. Mm -hmm. and be the first person that's not Angel or I on The Scientist. Get in fast. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank you very much for being there and see you very soon. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.